Father, I'm so thankful that we have the opportunity to be in this place to hear the Word of God today and that we can be here with one another, Lord, as a body, believing that you are indeed God and that you are the center and the creator of everything that we see, hear, touch, feel, that you are the creator and the center of it, knowing that by your hand and through Christ Jesus, all things were created for our good. Nothing was made not for good. It was all good in your eyes. And Lord, we just are so thankful that we have the opportunity today to hear the word of God and to believe the word of God and to know, Lord, that you love us beyond what we know love to be in and of ourselves. This we are thankful for today. And we worship you and you only in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today I'm... I'm excited about today. We have a special speaker this morning, and I'm I'm just so happy about it. And believe me, she has given herself to this, to the Word of God. And anyone that can follow me for 48 years, and even five years before that, is, uh, I mean, that person is a strong person. And I know how strong my wife is. And today... Um, my wife's going to speak to you about uh, the word that she received from God and how wonderful it is to know that uh, she's in a place where she can hear it and speak it and deliver it to you in an exhortation. So, Connie, come up here. This morning I want to talk to you about um, Abraham and Sarah. Um, So I'm a part of the Visalia Church Sunday School Teachers. And so um, we were given an assignment last spring to write lessons on the woman, or women, not, excuse me, women in the Bible. And so um, I immediately thought about Sarah, because I love the Old Testament. I love the parable. um, Just I've always understood it in just the parable, but that's okay. It's, um, but I love how the parable if we just read it as in the parable, it can still teach us how to live a right life before the Lord. And so, so anyway, that was my thought when I first wrote the lesson. Uh, so it, we're going to be in um, Genesis chapter 12, starting with verse 10. So it's, <laughs> God's word is absolutely amazing to me. Um, it's um, always, he's always takes you deeper. You read it one day, and you see, you know, the Lord shows you something. And the next day, he adds to it. Or the next time you, you study it, you're like, oh, wow, Lord, I never saw that. Now, you know, he's just ever making it new. And, and it's just, it's so deep, and it's just, it's marvelous. So, um, so when I first wrote this lesson, I was thinking of how Sarah and Abraham were under the covering of God. As I keep looking at it, um, I really, really, the focus should be more Sarah trusts and obeys the Lord, and um, and Abraham too. But I'm focusing on the woman, and so there was a famine. We'll just start with verse ten. There was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. So there's a famine, and they're headed into Egypt, and we've been taught what Egypt is, right? Such bondage, right? 
and and to look at it inward. I'm I'm have to <laughs> I've always looked at it outward. So I'm learning. I've got a long ways to go. I'm learning to look at it inward. So and it's about me. The story's about me and my journey with the Lord, right? So so he's following Abraham and Sarah, they're following the Lord. And the Lord's already promised him that wherever he goes, God's going to bless him. So keep that in mind as you're seeing, as we're going on this journey. <coughs> and when they were, they were about to enter Egypt, Abram's, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a beautiful woman in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Then they will kill, oops, in verse 13, say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life might be spared for your sake. And that always, I thought, why would, why would Abraham do that? That doesn't seem honest, right? Because <laughs> we're looking at it outward. <laughs> I, I, I was looking at it outward. But we have to remember, they, this, this is God's leading them. This is God leading him in his paths of righteousness. So, so, so just keep that in mind as we keep going here. Okay. And when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. So Pharaoh is just blessing Abraham because of Sarah. And he's, just, he's giving him many, what we look at as riches, right? Worldly riches. <laughs> um, but it's more than that. It's, it's way more than that. The spiritual application of that, I don't fully see yet, but it's, you think about God blessing us um, so much because of obeying him and following him. And here, I'm, you, and look at Sarah. She doesn't, she, she doesn't question God because I'd be like, well, why? Why should I do that? You know, why, why would you want me to, to say that? Or why, why this? Why that? You know, <laughs> um, but she just, she just trusts God. I mean, that would be scary, wouldn't it? If you're thinking about in the, in the parable, looking outward even, or, but, but even inward, you have to trust God. He's taking me in to live in Pharaoh's house, and there's bondage there, and, um, but she just trusts God, and she trusts her husband, and she doesn't question it. Uh, okay, let's see. So verse 17, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues, because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I, look, so I, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So... Abram didn't really lie. Sarah, if in the scriptures, there's 
I didn't take the time to look for the, the reference, but if you look at it, there is a reference saying that Sarai actually was his sister. His ha like a half-sister, yeah. So anyway, I forgot to mention that, but so yeah, she, but she, yes, um, she was his sister and she was his wife. Um, but God had a plan, and they were, so Abram, verse thir er, the next chapter, so Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and, and Lot with him. Now Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he, and he journeyed onward. So we're s you see how God blesses him. Um, God had a plan. Um, and what was coming to me th the last few days was this is about God's righteousness. God's, God's showing forth. He, he let Pharaoh know, no, this is my servant Abraham and and my wife my you know you th you think about what I, I I don't you know I, I don't, can't go too far with this but we are God's wife right we are his church we we you, you don't touch God's wife <laughs> and he let Pharaoh know that that sh this is this is my people and and Pharaoh sent him out with with many riches. So, so many. So God blessed Abraham and Sarai for obeying him, and God just kept adding to him and adding to him and adding to him as he went on this journey. So, um, our part then, right, is to humble ourselves, submit, and believe the word of God, because and then our lives will be blessed and will bear the fruits and the riches of the Lord. To just really trust the Lord. Barth asked, how, does, how do I see this manifested inwardly, for, in me, in me? All my life, I would say, Barth, the Lord has dealt with me this way, to trust him even when I didn't understand and, and to just follow him. It wasn't easy all the time um, um, in our commitment to the Lord, but I see the fruit of it because of just being obedient and just following the Lord. And he will bring the understanding. It's amazing over the years. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he would just, just pick up the Bible. There was some hard times that, and in order to get through it, you just, you just had to get on your knees and cry out to the Lord. Lord, show me, teach us. And he'd just keep me in the word. He would just keep me following him. He would just keep me encouraged. Uh, like Gary was said even Wednesday night to me, you know, uh, Psalms 23. Uh, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. And just sit at the table. And sitting at his table means feasting on that word of God that we have. And all through the scriptures, especially through the Old Testament, did not God feed them manna? Didn't, did he not give them everything they needed every single day? But I got to eat it or I don't get fed, right? I won't live. And it's the same in the Lord every day. Um, and I find my days go so much better if I just give God some time in the word and think about it and, and just be thankful and worship him and praise him for where he's, he's taking me. And, um, but yeah, to me, this story is about just submitting to God, submitting to my husband, um, who is God, right? If we look, take it inward. It is outward, too, but it's inward as well. Um, 
Oh, I'll, I'll share this. Last fall uh, at the pastor's conference, uh, Pastor Dan came to me and he said, Connie, you stay, if, stay in the words of your husband. And I know he was meaning outward, but stay in the words of your husband because it's the order of God. And in staying in the words of my pastor, of my husband, or staying in the words of the Lord, then, then I would, I can't remember what else he said, I would be blessed, but I could just picture it in my mind, you know, it just coming down from heaven that the blessings of God are so great if we just stay in the word, stay in what we're being taught, stay, trust, obey, walk in it, and we'll have everything we need. God will bless us so much. Oh, yeah, I forgot that part, didn't I? Okay. Yes, Ephesians 5. Let me turn to that. I forgot to read my references of why I, yeah, I went there. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then, of course, the commandment to the husbands, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That's how God purifies us. That's how God cleanses us, right? Yeah. Uh, the other scripture that I that the Lord brought to my mind when I started when I wrote this lesson is First Peter three. So let's look at that this morning. It's very similar. So let's see First Peter three five through six. Oh yeah, because it talks about. Um, I got to start at ver verse one, chapter three. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that. Even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of jewelry or of clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is in God's sight is very precious and that's how i picture sarai you know that um she just well she's the right woman right she's the right wife she's uh she bore isaac she bore the promise she bore christ um it's that's that's the other picture in this story of that's how the right wife the right woman within which we all have is she trusts, she obeys, she follows. She, she, with that quiet spirit, she submits. Um, so this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn, adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Isn't that cool? That was good, huh? You know, it's, um, it's awesome to 
I have a wife that I can communicate the things of God with, to talk to about the things of God. And Connie is certainly the right wife for David, for me, no doubt about it. And uh, and not just not just in the flesh. I mean, um, what we share and have always shared since our youth. I mean, we were 19 and 18 when we got married. We were 15 and 16 or 14 and 15 when we started hanging out together and became inseparable at that age. And uh, so, I mean, that's not very many people can have that testimony for sure. And uh, nor would I encourage that at that age. But I certainly think that finding a wife early in life is probably a, a better thing. Not Nothing against what happens with, with anyone else, but um, the wife of my youth has definitely been an awesome thing. And she is definitely, um, I, I got to just tell you this, that she has definitely manifested what she, what she um, spoke to you about today. Not only did she speak about it, and she spoke about it truthfully, being what she spoke within. And uh, there's nothing, nothing greater than for the right wife within to be made known, to be made manifest uh, for your sakes. And uh, I, for one, appreciate, appreciate it very much. And uh, so, you know, it's amazing that Sarah, Abraham, or Abram told Sarah to tell Pharaoh that, she was his sister, right? And for a long time, like Connie said, she believed that Abram told Sarah to lie. Right? God doesn't... Bob read the scripture in Numbers 23 this for you this, just a few moments ago. What does God not do? God does not lie. And if we can even remember that, we'll do good. Because God has told you many things. God has put a promise in you. Did he put a promise in Abram? Did he put a promise in Mary and Joseph? What was the promise? That they would have a son. So your Mary and your Joseph have received the promise. And what's the promise? That you will have a son. And for that son to come forth, what had to happen? They had to believe God according to thy word. So Mary said, <laughs> be it unto me according to thy word. Correct? And it's the word of God that brings forth the promise of the son. That's your story. That's what God writes in the heart. However we perceive it outwardly, that's not the story. The story is the Word of God in you. That's why when it begins to make itself known in you by revelation, by seeing Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden you begin to understand that the story from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 is the story of Jesus Christ in you, of a great hope. And the gospel is preached to your generations over and over again, to restore life in the Son unto you. And it's very powerful.
That's what makes you one with Christ. So that what Connie read for you in uh, Ephesians 5, let me just, and I, I, rather than back up, I'm just going to start with Connie read or any, and start from there. Wives. So now when he addresses the wife, is he talking about my wife Connie? Or is he att- addressing the woman within, the wife within that he gave to bring forth the son in me? Which one's he addressing? He's addressing the bride of Christ, the one within. That's who he's addressing. Now I know we speak of it outwardly and we perform marriage ceremony after marriage ceremony after marriage ceremony. But there's nothing wrong with making that expression even outwardly to a wife, to the one that we have chosen, right? There's, I don't have any fault with that at all. But in the scripture, he's addressing the wife within. That's the aspect of my own soul. To where in me, God begins to set in order the church, the body of Christ, to make me one with him. That's the desire of his heart. That's his will. Wives, submit yourselves, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So, who's it all about? The wife, or is it about Jesus Christ? It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the aspect of God's own soul being redeemed and knowing how to submit to her husband, who is Christ. So everything that God is doing in you today is, what does, who's the virgin? Does anybody know? What does she do? What's her role? She cares for the things of the Lord. Is your wife your virgin? Yes. So your wife cares for the things of the Lord. So when you care for the things of the Lord, who's being manifest in you? Your wife the wife of God, which is the church, the bride of Christ, is now being made manifest in you. And what's causing her to come forth? It's the word of God that you hear. And as you hear it, she cares for it. She nurtures it. Causes it to come forth. Gives suck to it. Causes it to grow. Have you ever thought about it that way? Man, that's why these things are needful, aren't they? Gary talked Wednesday night, right, about the righteous woman and the the right wife versus who? Who was he talking about? Or Jezebel. There's There's only two women in the Bible, the right one and the wrong one. That's it. Yeah, we can. And Jesus says, if it's in between, what's Jesus going to do with it? He's going to spew it out of his mouth. You're either hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'm getting rid of it. There's not such a thing. You're you're either in or out. That's why even uh, Elijah, when he uh, prepared to take on the prophets of Baal, right? What did he say? Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Either you choose God. Or you choose Baal. Which one are you going to choose? As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Choice was made years ago. I mean, years ago. 
And when, you know, the, here's the thing. As you begin to learn by the Spirit and the Spirit begins to guide you, all of a sudden the Spirit will begin to show you how many lifetimes you have lived to be here this day. It'll blow your mind. It will blow your mind. And you know, a woman has always been a woman and a man has always been a man. I don't care what these freaking people think today about all that stuff. They are lunatics. They're nuts. Because they can't see through the spirit of truth the things that God has anointed from the beginning. They can't see. Their eyes are darkened. They have no vision of what God is performing. You, on the other hand, you have been chosen of God to bear the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now that deserves some consideration, doesn't it? Doesn't it, John? Because the Word of God is true. God is true. It's awesome. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself its Savior. Isn't it good to know the Savior? I think so. Now he's going to save every aspect of your soul. He's going to bring you to the things that you need and are wanting within your heart. Isn't that wonderful? Husbands? Oh, I forgot. Now, as the church submits to Christ, now listen to this. So we're talking about the wife submitting to the husband, right? Now, as the church, the wife of Christ, submits to Christ, who is her husband, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I remember years ago when I was preaching in the other church, setting some things in order. This woman comes up to me after the service, and she brings her Bible, and she points to this scripture. She goes, that will never happen. Don't be that person. That will never happen. You don't love God? You don't believe God? Well, I believe God. I just don't believe that. Then you don't believe God. See, we think we can pick and choose what we can believe because we don't understand the spiritual aspects of what God is saying as a spirit. We only look at it in the flesh. And if we are satisfied with believing it in the flesh and are willing in our minds to accept a fleshly interpretation over the interpretation of the Spirit by the Holy Ghost, then we are a child of the devil and not a child of God. There are things that God wants to cast out of your mind. That's why He provokes you with the Word of God. He provokes you unto righteousness. And in the provoking unto righteousness... Is he not provoking the wife to submit to the husband who is Christ? Absolutely. And it's awesome. Husbands, love your wives. Amen. Love in the flesh is not perfect. 
just so we all know and understand that. Love in the flesh is not perfect. But the love of God for you is. It is perfect. Husbands, love your wives. How long were you and Bryce married, Lou? 60 years. 62 years. That's 14 years longer than Connie and I. We got a goal now. We got to last 14 more years. <laughs> 62 years. And, you know, one thing that I will say as a testimony out of my heart is how close you and Bryce always were. That always spoke to me greatly. Yet I know it wasn't perfect. Yet I also know that it was right. And it was a good testimony, wasn't it? Yeah, even the little nicknames, right? Although I probably will never call, I will never call my wife some of those names, and I guarantee you she will never call me some of them names. The reason I bring it up is that in that relationship between husband and wife and the husband loving the wife, it brings a, a provoking of right things from the heart of God which is awesome. And it does form the testimony of the heart, as it should. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, how much did he love the church? He died for it. He died for it. You know, I was talking to someone or writing to someone this week. The only way to have remission of sins is to believe what? Is to believe that Christ died for me. It's the only way. Only the shedding of blood causes the remission of sin. And Christ shed his blood and purchased each and every one of us unto himself, for he and he alone is our husband. So I am the bride of Christ. And he died to bring the assurance in me that I am and that he loves me and has loved me from the foundation of the world. That's awesome. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such. Present her to himself without sin. Wow. Isn't that what he's doing for you now in making the word known in you and provoking you unto righteousness that he might present you unto himself without sin because he shed his blood for you? 
that she might be holy and without blemish. My wife is without blemish. That's awesome. Sanctified by the Word of God. Knowing that the word that she hears is from her husband who loves her and died for her and rose again to take her unto himself again in righteousness. That's awesome. That's our God. And so, Connie, thank you this morning. Appreciate it much. And thank all of you for being here today to hear Connie speak for the first time and many times to follow. Amen? So, any questions about anything else this morning before we depart? Anyone? He's talking about Jesus Christ. So, Barth's question is, specifically in, in these scriptures, is he talking about himself or is he talking about Christ, right? So, the husband that it always speaks of is Christ. He is my husband, right? He's the head of all things. He's my covering. I can't cover myself unless I'm in Christ. Now, in Christ, as a husband, am I covered? Amen. But the aspect of the husband in Christ is not the same aspect as the husband in the flesh. Please know. He's changed. He's become a new creature. He's taken on, become a partaker in the mind of Christ. Amen? Praise God. God knows how to set everything in order. Yes, go ahead. That's correct, to cover ourselves, which would be a thought of Cain, right? So uh, the adorning that we use to make, you know, we, I've said it before, standing in front of the mirror, we want to make sure our hair looks good, we got the right jewelry on, or for a man, uh, I would never well wear jewelry, but I might decide to pierce my ear someday. I don't know. I doubt it, but... <laughs> but and what I'm saying is that we try to adorn ourselves by the way we think about ourselves. And that's not acceptable to God. How we think about ourselves or how we think about the thoughts that we have when it comes to God, I'm telling you, only God knows what looks good to God. Only God knows. And so we must receive it from the Lord and not receive it out of our own thoughts. Always. And man, that just, that's really a stumbling block to us, isn't it? So Connie just said that we have to learn what's clean and unclean and what's from God and, and what's, what is God and what's not God. And it's all very true. And, and thank goodness we have that, that judgment set in order in the house of God where the priest can declare, because who's the priest? Christ is our high priest in the house of God. Always declaring clean and unclean. Always setting in order the things that are wanting. Ever working. I mean, he just doesn't take a break. That's not his. I mean, he, he doesn't go to lunch. He doesn't go have a cup of coffee. Ever working in you to perfect and to uh, make manifest himself in you. It's awesome. 
We have a righteous, mighty, powerful God. Amen? He is awesome. All right. Thank you for being here today. And and uh, go and listen to this again. And um, it'll bless your life. And God bless you.